In February 1955, approximately 300 people saw Air Force One land at Holloman Air Force Base and taxi back out to the end of the runway. Shortly after the plane landed, the pilot instructed the tower to turn off all radar while the President's plane was on the tarmac. Shortly after Air Force One landed and the radar was turned off, three round objects were seen in the sky. One landed about 200 feet in front of Air Force One. Another hovered over the area as though keeping watch, and a third one disappeared from visibility. A man, presumed to be Eisenhower, descended the steps of Air Force One. He was seen shaking hands with a being at the door of the saucer, then entering the unusual saucer-shaped aircraft. Ike was in the saucer for about 45 minutes. Ultimately, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a treaty with an alien race called Alien Greys. The terms of the treaty are reported to have been, amongst other things, that they could abduct humans for various experiments, but had to provide names of all those they abducted to Earth's Majestic Twelve Committee, and that the public would not be informed about the existence of ETs. At least... That's what I hear. Sometimes our imaginations are captured by the possibility of alternative explanations. Join me as we explore the historical events and public state of mind that influenced the appeal and popularity of the most enduring alternative theories out there. I'm Ryan Nelson, and welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. On this episode, Episode 12, Alien Abduction, and our fascination with being taken by the unknown. What is the modern origin of interest in alien abduction? Did belief and fascination with otherworldly abductions begin only in the modern era? And how does the idea of abduction itself tap into deep psychological reactions and inspire such fascination? Well, after the break, we will capture the facts, probe into our psyche, and shine a beam of light down on our fascination with alien abduction. Howdy, theoryologists. Let's talk about alien abduction. More specifically, the phenomenon of alien abduction and how our fascination with it may be rooted in a very primal, deep-seated fear. And that fear is the fear of the unknown. The phenomenon, as documented by researchers, journalists, and skeptics alike over the years, has become pretty well-defined in terms of key aspects. 
and has led to an array of collected testimonies, assertions to either the validity or the incredulity of the phenomenon, and even the occasional conspiracy theory or two, as was mentioned in the intro segment. But before diving into this, I can promise you, I'm not going to do justice to the discussion of alien abduction cases proper, nor would I even try. I mean, I'd be here for a week. And in fact, there are some really good podcasts that already do an amazing job on the subject. Once we're done here, I recommend giving a listen to a show called Somewhere in the Skies with host Ryan Sprague, and also Our Strange Skies with Rob Christofferson. Write those down and check them out. I mean, while there are dozens more, these are on my regular listening repertoire. All right, well, let's get into background. Uh, Let's just look and start with a definition of alien abduction and jump into, you know, our wiki, our wiki defined here. The term alien abduction uh, or abduction phenomenon describes this subjectively real memories of of beings, uh, of being taken secretly against one's will by apparently non-human entities and subjected to complex physical and psychological procedures. Now, those that claim to have been abducted are usually referred to as abductees or experiencers. Typically, claims involve being subjected to forced medical examinations that emphasize reproductive systems. Also, abductees sometimes claim to have been warned against things like environmental abuse or the dangers of of nuclear weapons. Now, although different cases vary in detail, and and sometimes drastically, some UFO researchers argue that there is a broad and, and fairly consistent sequence and description of events. Though, you know, the features outlined are often reported, really there is even some disagreement as a exactly how often they they occur but but they break this down um and this is just one list that's that's outlined um uh, but but this gives you at least a feel a flavor for the the typical uh abduction scenario first step is capture and of course that's where the abductee is is rendered incapacitated or I- incapable of resisting and is taken from uh, their point of origin, some sort of ter- terrestrial surrounding to an apparent alien spacecraft location or or some sort of off-site location. Second is the examination and the procedures. Uh, there's usually an invasive physiological and psychological procedure that takes place. And, and um, on occasion, simulated behavioral situations, uh, even training and testing and in some cases, even sexual liaisons. The third step is conference, and this is where the abductors communicate with the abductee. Uh, they direct them to interact with you know, specific individuals or for some sort of purpose. Uh, typically, the communication is telepathic, but some cases have been reported uh, to be in the abductee's native language. Fourth is the reports of a tour, basically that the abductees are given a tour of their captor's vessel. And now this, there is disagreement on this by some researchers that 
the idea or the perception that they're given a tour, this idea of intent, when perhaps it's apparently just being taken around the ship, multiple locations, walking from room to room. Then fifth, there is a loss of time. Now, this is something that's you know, regularly reported in, in especially some of the more well-known cases. Uh, abductees often rapidly forget the majority of their experience, either as a result of fear or medical event, uh, in, intervention or some sort of consequence. Uh, that loss of time calls into question the, uh, you know, any sort of intent uh, by the uh, by the alien abductors to have the the abductee remember any of the event at all, which, you know, again, why the conference, why the tour? And finally, or six, we get to the return. This is where the abductees are returned to Earth, uh, sometimes right where they started, sometimes in a different location from where they were, um, where they were taken. And, you know, this is when they find themselves with some sort of new injury, uh, some sort of strange uh, feeling disheveled clothing, uh, typically in 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 disarray and in a state of confusion. Seventh is is a is a term uh, called uh, theophany. Now, this is is coincides with their uh, the immediately upon return, and and it's perhaps some strange uh, result of this um, memory swipe, right, and this time loss. Uh, abductees typically have a profound sense of of emotion, a high that's uh, you know similar to those induced by certain drugs, uh, even reported as a mystical experience, kind of like a, a, a feeling of oneness with with God or the universe, um, and even a bit of the perhaps even with their abductors. Um, some would argue that that's a kind of a Stockholm syndrome uh, scenario, and. Uh, you know, so so that's and and finally, lastly, on this list, number eight is aftermath, and this is when all is said and done, after the strange feelings pass, after they return, um, to you know to the real world, it's that time frame when the abductee must cope with the psychological and physical and even social effects of the experience. Um, and this is when those abductees start asking that question, why? This is when everybody starts asking that question, why, when, how, where? So let's uh, talk a bit about modern origins, because alien abduction, is, as we know it, is actually uh, you know, a fairly recent event in terms of how we think of it. Uh, alien abductions were brought into the mainstream, though there are reports um, previously to this, they're brought, they picked up steam uh, with the Betty and Barney Hill incident. Now, the Hills claimed in 1961 that a bright light had swooped over their car on a New Hampshire road and that they woke up for a few hours or a few hours later and that the car had been magnetized. With uh, eventually, with regressive hypnosis, they were able to recall being abducted and probed by little gray men, which of course soon became the de facto alien description. Betty even astonished authorities when she began drawing a map of of the constellation that these supposed abductor creatures claimed to be from, 
And initially it looked nonsensical, but a, a few scientists noticed its resemblance to a system called Zeta Reticuli. Now this is a system that sits inside the constellation Reticulum, which is was especially at that time was largely unknown. It's I'm still probably largely unknown to um, other than the most you know active amateur astronomers and 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 professional astronomers. Um, and that case generated really widespread publicity, um, in part because in, in addition to this experience, uh, Betty and and Barney had uh, uh, a bit of uniqueness for the period. I mean, they were a mixed-race couple in the 1960s. Um, and uh, along with, they were prominent members in their community. Uh, he was a postal worker, and um, they were involved with the NAACP. They were involved with uh, civil rights activities at the time. Um, I mean, it, it, this, this turned into the flagship example of Close Encounters. And, uh, you know, though, I mean, it wasn't until years after the, the fact, uh, that, uh, that much of this was disclosed and discovered, uh, which is something that skeptics argue, you know, as a sign of, of a potential hoax. But I mean, the, the, the excitement over this ultimately culminated in a made for TV movie in 1975 called the UFO incident. Now, Another couple of examples, let's look at Antonio Villas-Boas. Now, this one, you'll, you'll note, it, it takes place four years before the events of Betty and Barney Hill. In 1957, small aliens with huge heads allegedly came for Villas-Boas, uh, who was a young Brazilian farmer. Villas-Boas was forced inside their vessel, where the creatures took blood samples from his chin and rubbed in kind of a some sort of gel. Soon after that, this uh, blonde female with, uh, as he described it, big almond-shaped eyes had joined him. Uh, there was, at this point, um, an initiation of, of sex, and after they were done, she left him, which Villas-Boas describes gave him the impression that he was being used to better the alien's uh, stock. So, in effect, thinking that there was some sort of breeding program, um, he he said he had felt exploited, um, and and you know as you can see with something like this, I mean that's it's not safe for work content. It's it's the sort of story that was quickly dismissed as as fantasy and and uh, you know the the thoughts of 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 slight perversion. Although. Um, Villas Boas, I mean, he never, uh, he later became a lawyer and claimed to, or, and, and didn't renounce his, his, his testimony, you know, or his claim of abduction at all through his life. So he seemed pretty confident and certain of it. The, the third case I'll give you as a good example is the Travis Walton case. Uh, those of y'all familiar with the movie Fire in the Sky, are uh, are aware of of this Travis Walton case, and in in short, in in 1975, there was a team of loggers that claimed that their 22 year old coworker Travis Walton disappeared for five days after they saw a glowing disc in this Arizona woods that had zapped him with a bluish ray. You know, um, 
he uh, reportedly wandered underneath the hovering object because he was intrigued and, and, and it abducted him. He claimed he awoke on a table in a sterile looking room surrounded by three small creatures that he described as well-developed fetuses, that they were wearing tan robes. He tried to run away, he passed out, and he finally regained consciousness only once um, to discover that the aliens had, had ditched him on an Arizona roadside. So those are three very early on examples that brought abduction and alien abduction to light and, and put the, the terminology in, um, you know, in the public vocabulary. But is that really where they started? Is that where the, the first instance? Well, actually, there's kind of some potential historical reference to this. See, modern tales of alien abductions share a lot of similarities with ancient stories of things like uh, Celtic-based fairy abductions. The Encyclopedia of Fairies, which was published back in 1976, explained them as those who were taken by the fairies were almost always given a, sh a special drink described as a thick liquid, uh, previous to any sort of sexual encounter. The victims that were most commonly women were then paralyzed before they were carried, levitated or flown away to fairyland, which is always located nearby, although it cannot be perceived under normal conditions. The paralysis plays a central role in fairy lore, and without it, the abducted humans cannot enter fairyland. So we see that, an incapacitation, uh, seemingly uh, an abduction, a levitation, a carrying into a, a, an unknown or unfamiliar uh, area, territory, and um, that, that can't be accessed normally unless you're taken in there. And then also there's an element of a reproductive act or intent. You know, it was even believed in the past that demons could take any physical form and seduce victims. You know, on the other hand, you look at modern era abduction stories that indicate most victims were taken from their bedrooms unwillingly by, uh, by these demons at night. See, many victims have reported presence of, of different types of, of demons at the time of their abduction. You know, most of them being spectators to the episode. So, again, these are abductions that involve a strange or foreign being, uh, in, and oftentimes groups of them, taking victims against their will, uh, again, for some sort of uh, seductive, erotic purpose, and, uh, you know, and, and being observed in this whole process. Yeah, it's all very unsettling, disconcerting. Uh, but these, these go back centuries. This is part of folklore, part of mythologies. Um, and while I, you know, we won't even get into an example of it, there are these same examples in, in Greek mythology. I mean, these, these also are often touted arguments in support of things like ancient alien theory, you know, and it stands to reason that due to the similarities between these ancient abduction traditions and modern abduction accounts, you know, if true, they should be held as more than coincidence. Now, let's look at proponents and, and you know, support for these things. Obviously, with these sort of cases, um, groups have formed. 
uh, organizations such as the International Center for Abduction Research, MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network and probably the one that most people are familiar with. Uh, there's groups I found with a quick search called uh, such as Alien Abduction Experience and Research and the Alien Research Group. Now, they all have kind of a different purpose and, and they take some different approaches, but ultimately these groups provide means of reporting and recording abduction incidences and provide some form of discussion and support for victims of these alien abductions. But, you know, there's, of course, primary criticisms. I mean, there's, when you look at, at specifically the the some of the, the main criticisms, it's, it's are really due to the lack of objective physical evidence. Most scientists, mental health professionals, they dismiss the phenomenon, you know, as, as deception or suggestibility of the abductee, you know, fantasy proneness, hypno, uh, hypnotizability, false memory syndrome. You know, they, they attribute it to personality disorder, sleep paralysis, psychopathologies, psychodynamics, and, and other environmental factors. Um, some skeptics see similarities uh, between the aliens depicted in science fiction films. Uh, you know, in the case of uh, Betty and, and Barney Hill, it was uh, things such as uh, a 1953 movie, Invaders from Mars, or the H.G. Wells story in the descriptions of Men on the Moon. Um you know, and so, so there are some reasonable criticisms and objective approaches that are taken to, to provide a skeptical eye or to completely debunk the experiences as something much more terrestrial. But I mean, that's that's kind of the background. We've gotten through we've gotten through some origins. We've gotten through backgrounds and, and the gist of it. Um, and again, that's all we're going to cover. Let's dive into the theoryology of it. And let's start that with a bit of word study. You know, why abduction? And this gets to the core of the topic for tonight. Why abduction rather than kidnapping or terms like molestation? Why do we talk about alien abduction? See, when we discuss this phenomenon, we, we use the term abduction more often than not. Even though there are many terms that that might seem more appropriate. You know, given the content of these accounts and testimonies, uh, it, it seems appropriate to use kidnapping or even molestation. Uh, but despite that, abduction just seems to be more appropriate when we discuss the strangeness and, and frightening nature of these incidences. And I think there's a reason. You know, let's look at abduction versus kidnapping from a legal sense. And, and these terms, while used interchangeably, are actually two different terms, types of action. See, abduction is when someone uses deceit or force in order to take a person away from their home. Kidnapping, um, though, is, is taking away or forcefully transporting a person against their will and holding them in false imprisonment, which is confinement without legal authority. It, the kidnapping is usually done for a motive or for a ransom, and therein lies the difference. See, abduction has no motive disclosed, at least not one that the perpetrator needs to share. I mean, in fact, the real intent is hidden. And go back and see those fairy abductions. Uh, 
and 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 there's some of these mythological abductions in fairy abductions oftentimes the uh the abductee was replaced with something called a changeling and uh those uh those changelings were a stand-in meant to uh distract the families and keep the world from knowing that that the fairies had taken the abductee i mean when you think of abduction the term even offenses because it's so rooted in our psyche if you do a, a search on movies about alien abduction they are rarely titled with the term abduction uh, unless they're documentaries right unless they're specifically trying to get that focus um but definitely if they're if they're mainstream blockbusters uh that sell a lot of tickets they're called any other number of things and and i think that's largely because of the impact of of abduction and the term on on an audience which takes away from the novelty of it being an an alien movie you know to be an abductee means to be taken away without ever knowing why and also with the potential that you might never be returned nor that your fate would ever be disclosed to family and, and to loved ones uh so now that we know that why why does that bother us so much why does that lack of motive um really resonate in a in a negative way with us well let's look at it in terms of of fears and anxieties see it, i found came across uh, the uh, june 2016 issue of the journal of anxiety disorders and in it is a little white paper titled the fear of the unknown one fear to rule them all this is by author uh, r nicholas uh, carlton and in it he proposes that a primal fear of the unknown may be a or possibly even the fundamental fear and and that this fundamental fear is underlying anxiety and and even and neuroticism see fear of the unknown carlton uh explains will be is defined as an individual's propensity to experience fear caused by the perceived absence of information at any level of consciousness or, or point of processing i mean and you know relatedly intolerance of uncertainty will be uh will play a factor and and is defined as an individual's dispositional incapacity to endure the at adversive response triggered by the perceived absence of key or sufficient information and sustained by the associated perception of uncertainty now it goes on and then of course it delves into a, a, a discussion on anxiety and and anxiety disorders and this is interesting albeit dry reading but ultimately though the the author is saying that our inability and resistance to gaps in information triggers an adverse response which then surfaces as anxiety and fear so when we hear of these incidences we want an answer an explanation it doesn't make sense and that doesn't process for us now that's not to say we don't try to understand what is happening i mean we've attempted to give motive conspiracy theories that have evolved from abduction cases in include an agreement between aliens and and a US president you know purporting that that back in the 50s this 
President Eisenhower meets with aliens and, and agreed to, amongst a few other things, to allow abductions so long as the names were reported to a specific government group. And uh, and that group's Majestic 12, which we may talk about in a future episode. That's a, that's a wonderful uh, conspiracy all on its own. But, you know, additionally, abductees, upon efforts to bring forth suppressed memories, often... You know, they often convey messages given, um, and and it's with these these, I guess, retrieved memories that uh, uh, these messages are are finally surface of uh, regarding social change, uh, military de-escalation, and advances towards peace and enlightenment of the species. Um, and of course, because these are repressed memories. Uh, you know that, that that's the question are are those driven by uh the the thoughts and and perspectives of the person already but that's a whole different discussion i mean in fact the pursuit to find purpose and and explanation is is known as cognitive closure which actually we're going to discuss at greater length um over on on patreon with uh, uh an episode of expanded theoryology. So uh, for those of y'all that want to dive into this in a bit more depth uh, beyond this discussion, uh, you know, please, please check in over at, uh, at the Patreon page and uh, give it a go. I should have that up. I should have that up not too long following this episode. Now, a final note is, is that I really want to emphasize. and, And I thought about this after, after going through all of that was, to emphasize the difference between this perception of the unknown, right? This whole discussion of it and, and really make sure it's in contrast to the idea of xenophobia, uh, which often comes up, uh, when, when discussing a fear of, right? The unknown, but xenophobia is, is more properly used to describe a, a fear of something different from us. I mean, a xenophobic response might be more appropriate as an explanation for the use of aliens uh, to define the experience. Uh, but again, you know, the real fascination uh, is with the abduction itself, more so than any identity of the abductor, because the this these abduction fascinations over time and over the centuries have changed. Yes, they do originate with a strange otherworldly being, something demonic, something um, supernatural or uh, preternatural, and of course something extraterrestrial now. Um, but before before we wrapped it up, let's 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 put this through our endurance test, right? And let's ask our questions. How long has this perception been around? Well, it went mainstream in the modern era, and into the public consciousness shortly after the 1961 event uh, of the Hills abduction. I mean, this fascination is 60 years strong and counting. Two, has it had a large influence in popular culture and media? Yeah, absolutely. Mass media is covered in alien abduction themes. Books, movies, television, research organizations, social media, etc., etc. It's everywhere. If you do a quick web search on alien abduction movies, you will find dozens of them. 
Is it still relevant today? It is. Absolutely. It's a phenomenon that still remains unanswered and of interest. I mean, while occurrences are down, the psychology is still there. I mean, perhaps the experience is transitioning to a new label. You know, as we discussed, much of it, much as it has in the past. Um, but, but the abduction phenomenon is still occurring and still remains unexplained in many cases. Will it continue to capture public imagination going forward? Yes. You know, while alien abduction is a relatively new phenomenon, um, the idea of, of these otherworldly and unexplainable abductions have influenced us culturally and societally for centuries, uh, perhaps even millennia. Um, so we could see this transition over. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a blend, you know, with the world as, as we move into uh, quantum physics and, and a, a deeper understanding of, of a multidimensional universe. Uh, maybe it's a blend of, of fairies and of aliens. Maybe we're looking at trans-dimensional beings. And maybe it becomes dimensional abduction, trans-dimensional uh, trans abduction. So the phenomenon itself, as we try to understand it and interpret it, uh, may, uh, may change the moniker. But uh, no, but it's going to stay in the public imagination probably going forward. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Ultimately, alien abduction speaks to us. The term alien abduction speaks to us at a primal level. You know, it's a, it is fear, real fear, to an almost titillating exhilaration. It, it's so frightening, it's fun to think about. For abductees, the outcome is usually anxiety and frustration, which leaves them with more questions than answers. For the rest of us, well, there are two camps, you know, those who believe and those who don't. Either side wants to understand what the cause and purpose of these experiences may be. And paranormal investigators and ufologists have tried to record testimony and, and retrieve repressed memories. On the other side, skeptics and debunkers have tried to explain it, you know, in the psychological uh, terms or or as sociological or neurological processes. I mean, very few people simply dismiss with a disinterest because deep down, we all believe in the unknown, you know, and it scares us. I mean, while this may not explain alien abduction as a phenomenon, it certainly sheds light on our fascination with the phenomenon and, and, and the incidences and what happens. And it probably makes you even want to go catch a good movie about it. All right. That's all for today. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. You know, if you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that follow or the subscribe button so, so that you don't miss the discussion. You know, connect with me via email. Uh, my email address is contact at conspiracytheoryology.com. Join the Facebook group. Find me on Twitter at TheoryologyPod. Or just recommend the show to others. You know, there's not a higher compliment I could receive than to know that you are sharing the show with others. Let them know that they can hear the show pretty much on any podcasting app. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and through pretty much anything else they might have. 
or just send them to the website. But before we, I close this out, I wanted to uh, brag a little about this young show now receiving its first five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Teresa Y. in Rumford, Maine uh, wrote, Glad I discovered this. Excellent takes on some of my favorite subjects. I'm really enjoying this podcast. Well, Teresa, I wanted to give uh, give you credit. You're our first. Uh, you're our first review on Apple Podcasts, and I, it's awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, that was great to hear. Uh, you know, I love doing the show and getting comments from listeners that find it and enjoy it. Man, that's what it's all about. So, so thank you so much for the review. Well, all the info can be found at the show's website, conspiracytheoryology.com, including how to support the show on the new Patreon page. Now, it's still in its infancy, but like I talked about, we're going to go into depth on this topic uh, over at Patreon. Eventually, I'm going to get that show up, and we're going to start putting more and more episodes and exclusive content over at Patreon. Uh, Also, hey, music, Adam Henry Garcia. You've heard me say it before, Adam's music is awesome. If you'd like to hear more of Adam's music, visit Adam Henry Garcia at bandcamp or bandcamp.com. Now, I will see you again in two weeks when we'll tackle another theory and make sense of the public popularity. So, until next time, remember, beyond the conspiracy and behind the belief lies the theoryology. <laughs>